this is Hallmark Quality Control. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hallmark Quality Control. I'm Morgan. I'm Ansley. And I'm Reagan. Today we bring you The Last Bridesmaid, part of our niche November, uh, where we're focusing in on bridesmaids during this November, uh, some Hallmark movies about bridesmaids. Um, This movie gives us an inside look at the superstar bridesmaid and overall greatest, most selfless human being ever, Becca, as she finishes up her ninth stint as maid of honor and journeys through her tenth. The tenth wedding is for her cousin, whose TV producer father has hired videographer Kyle, who spars with Becca over if true love is effortless. Both have a day job and a dream. Becca's passion for jewelry making takes second fiddle to her job as an insurance broker. She is set to take over the family business any day, while Kyle's time as a videographer keeps him going so he can finish editing his documentary about his mom and her illustrious career as a military service dog trainer. These dreamers bond over pushing each other to take the plunge as Becca begins to sell jewelry in a bridal store and work on a collection for a designer, and Kyle shows Becca his editing bay and arranges a private showing of his film. The pair grow close, and Kyle even creates a website for Becca's jewelry. He lets her keep the iPad he built it on, and she pulls up his movie to watch it again. Her film producer uncle asks her about it, and against Kyle's express wishes not to, hesitantly shares it. When Kyle finds out, he turns a cold shoulder as the wedding festivities take place, lamenting that he will never get the chance for a first impression on his documentary again. All is resolved, however, with a conversation in the ceremony space, where Kyle admits that loving Becca was effortless after all. Becca tells her parents she will be focusing on gems instead of insurance policies, and Kyle decides to put his film out there for the world to see. The end. All right, so over under three years until Becca returns to her parents' insurance firm, at least as a part in a part-time capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got um, the under on that one? Who's got the over? <laughs> I was just upset that she was providing such lackluster service while multitasking her insurance day job and her and her jewelry side hustle. She's at mm-hmm. home soldering jewelry and then just not even looking at just looking at the jewelry and then she's on the phone saying, "Yeah, so if you you could go with the higher premium plan and then have a lower deductible." It's like, "Come on. What kind of service is that?" Your customer well, some deserves of the time- better, and there are all kinds of other insurance agents out there who can do better than that. That's not the way that you retain business. Yeah, some of the time she was even doing noisy things while she was on the phone with yes. them. Yes. Don't mind me. I'm just getting out a soldering iron and, and doing heat-related activities while I'm on the phone with you, while I'm on speakerphone. Come on. I feel like they were trying to make her look like an efficient, <clears throat> professional multitasker, but she just looked lame at both of her jobs at the same time. That's just not how you run a business. And having her sit there and say, yeah, I mean, if you want, if you could have a higher premium and a lower deductible, it's like you're saying, you're just saying insurance words, like no valuable information is coming out of your mouth. But like people who sell insurance aren't like actually working hard at their profession, that it doesn't take some concentration, that there aren't documents and slideshows. I mean, I worked at an insurance organization. This is like selling insurance and servicing someone's insurance policy is work. It's work. It's not just being on the phone like a CEO boss babe 
and just saying saying little trigger words and then calling up a secretary and having them do it for you. I mean, some of that does happen, the secretary part, but it's work. Yeah, she did make it look pretty, pretty easy. Like, you know, she's just kind of just kind of smooth sailing, doing her thing. I think because of that lackluster insurance service, I will take the over on three years. Because she she shouldn't go back. If her parents are smart, they'll sell out within the year, and she will have no safety net. Yep. That's true. See, her parents are going to have to find somebody else, because her parents were like, we run a very successful business. Don't you worry. We can sell this to anybody. We've had many offers. I'm like... There's really a lot of people going around trying to buy up insurance businesses. Yes, though. There are, there are brokerages that will go out and just buy you and your clients and your consulting services, and they'll just make you part of their big corporate entity. That's sad. That's just sad. A small town business, and then it's just going to get taken over by corporate America. Here we go. All her fault because she just couldn't help herself. She had to do jewelry making. You know what's not sad? Living your dream. And that's what she's doing. It was not even the most original jewelry either. Like, it was fine, but you can also find pieces that look like that mass-produced at Walmart. I mean, presumably the quality is better, but this wasn't like blowing my mind bespoke jewelry. I like a good simple piece, so I can appreciate. Like, that's kind of more my jewelry style, but... You know, yeah, they didn't show us a whole lot, actually, of the jewelry for that being mm-hmm. her focus and passion. I feel like it would be very difficult to do that in any kind of way that was believable. So it was probably better that they just foregoed that that experience largely, you know, like yeah. trying to show her trying to show jewelry that's like original, but also was not going to look dated five years from now when people watch the movie on rerun. You know, it was probably best they just skipped. Yeah, didn't have as much detail there. More of the handmade quality. Well, uh, besides that, I think probably that kind of simple clean line jewelry has been pretty trendy in the last couple of years. And it's trendy for a reason, right? Like a lot of people buy it. And so somebody has to fill that market. You know, there's I'm sure there's a market somewhere between Walmart and and uh jared's or whatever you know who knows maybe she's making a lot on every piece because it's handmade mm-hmm. although her production the logistics the logistics of upscaling her business really concerned me i don't see how she could continue to hand make and hand make all of her jewelry but work with the distributor it seems like she would need to produce in quantities she is incapable of doing as a handmade business Well, you can hire other people to hand make the jewelry and she can design. That's true. But then I suppose that sort of becomes a, I don't know, that kind of becomes a manufacturing situation. I don't know. Not if you hire a small number of artisans to do it. You know, it's like, it's like going to Italy and having some leather shoes made, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Well, and then they can all shine like the jewels that we all are. Well, like it says on her website. Yeah, her website. Boy. Um, you know, she was really impressed with the website that Kyle made for her 
I wasn't so much, but you know, it's not my jewelry business, so it's none of my business. Um, that was not the most impressive website I've ever seen. It was very convenient that she had all sorts of stock photos of her jewelry on models with professional shots of her jewelry. That was very, very handy. It was just one long page of pictures. She was just scrolling pictures. Yep. And they were like little rectangles that were just like coming in and out and not all the same size. And it was a little bit chaotic for me. But I mean, that that's what I... I do think that was realistic. I think it was actually a fairly realistic website. I just didn't care for it. Except that she had all those, like Ansley said, stock photo, qual- like quality images of her jewelry. Yeah. Which I, I feel like they tried to sell it like Kyle did this big thing and making her this website. But I'm not saying it's no work, but I'm saying I could make a website that probably looks like that, look looks about that good on Google sites. You know, I guess it's just the effort that he put forth, though. I yeah. mean, he, he he believes it was a dream. gesture. He made a Wix site, but the point was that he believed in her. <laughs> yeah. And she believed in him so much so that she, against his uh, against his wishes, showed his documentary to her uncle. Um so her uncle seemed to really like it. To me, it looked a little bit of a snooze fest, the parts that they showed. <laughs> well, um, that's because it was stock footage. Yeah. So what streaming platform do you think would make the best home for Kyle's documentary? <laughs> Discovery. <laughs> Probably. Perhaps Fox Nation, since it is a military thing. Yeah. The History Channel. Ooh, like, uh, like the Country Music Channel or something. Yeah. yeah. It's probably a country channel that'd really go for that. Or I even feel like ESPN on an off season, you know? Mm. <laughs> like the, the weather channel. They put some pretty boring stuff on there to fill the air. <laughs> yeah, but usually it's sports related, not I mean, military the, dog. The, uh, the idea of a documentary about reuniting people with their military dogs, that's it's not a bad idea. Just the footage looked really boring. And it's they, like when they described it, we're looking at really boring, like r- very generic stock footage of someone running f- to and from an airplane and then someone with a German Shepherd. And then the way that um, she's describing is it was so moving. I couldn't believe it when they were finally reunited. I mean, she's describing it like it was, you know, Oscar nominated, Oscar winning film. And we just, that was not justified by the stock footage that we saw. I think it was probably about a a good 15-minute documentary, not a good 90-minute documentary. Yeah, that's like a news story at 10. Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe mean, we're underestimating been... Kyle's storytelling. Maybe, but, you know, we don't didn't have much to go off of, and... Hey, I don't know. It just wasn't that compelling. I mean, we are people who got hooked on wanting to watch a Gwen Shamblin documentary. So maybe our documentary tastes are. Okay. A there. what now? Okay. Reagan and I discovered this niche a Lifetime really- movie about this woman who had a weight loss business that she turned into a, a religious cult. And amazing, stunning, 
ironic. You have never seen anything like this. It it just now we yeah. So I don't even know what to say about that, but I would say that cults are generally more the type of documentary that I want to watch uh, than like fair. about dogs. I mean, maybe they just were lacking William Shatner as a narrator. Maybe that's all that that was needed. He, Ooh, I mean, you know, that would have been could next be level. there and say the unexplained. Well, either way, Becca seemed real impressed with Kyle. They really had an easy chemistry as a couple, which brings us to the debate. Who's, whose side do you take in the love is effortless debate? So Becca was kind of like, true love, happy moments. It, you shouldn't have to try that hard. It's wonderful. And, and Kyle was like, this isn't the real stuff. You should see all the stuff I edit out of people's wedding videos. I say both. And Mm -hmm. from my perspective, there is something about people who fall in love with each other on like a solid foundation, not just people who make googly eyes at each other, but people who really fall in love where you meet someone and there's really natural chemistry. And that is that should be effortless, I think. But it's not that the relationship is no work. Because there, there is work. They had a disagreement, and they had to work through it, and then they're like, oh, but it was effortless. Okay, it feels effortless because you you've fallen in love with this person, and you want it to work, and you have natural chemistry, and you care about the relationship. But then there was work that you put into it. You spent time talking. You sort of debated about your vision of life and my vision of life. You have a disagreement, and you're frustrated for a while, and then you resolve it. So I think it's both effortless and work. I agree with that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's they took kind of extreme positions. Uh, I, I probably tend to lean a little more her direction as far as, like, if it works, there's sort of an ease about it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I don't know about, like, everybody talks about it being a lot of work. But it's just, I mean, so it's not really... There's effort put into it, mm-hmm. so it's not effortless, but I don't know that the effort always feels really heavy, you know, when you I, love someone so much. I think sort of in that vein, you know, if the if the chemistry is effortless and the likability of this person, you don't get sick of this person, that part is effortless then you don't mind working through the other things because you 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 have that found I guess foundation of chemistry and likability and mutuality to come back to when you feel like oh this is like just becoming oh we're really having to work through this thing but oh that's okay because I know that this is a person I'm still going to be happy to be with so I don't mind putting in that effort yeah. I do think that people really like to play up. Marriage is such hard work. It's really hard work. You don't even know because you're single, but it's really hard. And I've never been married, so I don't really know, but that it seems like it seems hyperbolic to me. 
sometimes because life is hard. It's hard to be single. It's hard to be married. Life is hard. It's challenging, you know, but I think to, to just constantly be moaning, oh, marriage is such hard work. You don't even know how much hard work it is. It's just, it seems over the top to me. Yeah, it's hard to go through things alone too. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, each has its own type of battle. Yeah, it's called life. It's tough. One, you know, I think that that (laughs) balance is probably different for different people of choosing how much chemistry or effortlessness or lack thereof that they are willing to commit to in a relationship, you know. Some people may be more willing to work at a certain kind of relationship than a different one. And in that way, perhaps some people have made a bad decision and created a, this marriage is such hard work. Well, maybe that's because you made a mistake, Karen, and and you shouldn't have married that guy because he's he's a loser, you know? So maybe you made a dumb choice and you married someone for the wrong reasons or you didn't sufficiently vet someone before you married them. Yeah, that would make your life hard work. But you got nobody to blame but yourself. Don't bl- don't pin that on love as a concept. That's you being stupid with your life. Yeah, who you choose makes a huge difference. So, so but what do we think about the chemistry between Kyle and Becca? And how long do you think they'll last as a couple? Do they have what it takes to make it? These two dreamers quitting their day jobs, pursuing what they love together. I feel like the chemistry was pretty good throughout, to be honest. I thought it was very natural and uh, pretty believable uh, in a way that makes me feel like, okay, they could actually do this in a long-term way. They kind of have the creative niche thing in common, and yet they both have worked other jobs in order to support themselves. So maybe in that sense, they... They also have a grounding sort of practical, okay, I know what it's like to just go and do the job because you need to pay your bills. You know, they both have done that in a sense with their other things, Um, but both are, you know, they seem to be motivated by each other and inspired by each other and made better by the other person's presence in their life. So those seem like all positive long-lasting characteristics i don't know how to how to describe it well i think but i both liked their natural chemistry and it seemed easy and fun but also at the same time i somehow don't see them as staying together long term i don't Mm. know how that translates maybe it's that they're both like they're they're both these dreamer types and she's upending her life and he I don't know maybe it's this sort of maybe I'm uncovering that I have a subconscious bias to the idea that opposites attract and that they're somehow Mm. too similar in their artisticness for that to be a sustainable relationship that they don't maybe they balance each other in that the concept that doesn't matter so much, which is how much work does it take to sustain a relationship? Like that's not a, a nothing question, but it's not like how are we going to operate our lives together maybe. But in, in terms of 
the artisticness and the lifestyle choices and some of that, maybe they're too similar? Well, I, um, I think they kind of provide Aiden as a contrast to that, though. Um, right? They portray Aiden as, well, I took a risk once and it was the worst, but I learned, you know. Uh, Aiden's kind of a, a potato of a, of a guy. And very, you know, they tried very hard to portray him as sort of stable and responsible and there's nothing wrong with those things but also you kind of need a personality and he was he was so vanilla he really was he was just so in that that vanilla person if those are kind of uh you know exemplars of her options aiden is a person who's taken a risk before it didn't pay off for him doesn't seem like he would be interested in pairing his life or merging his life with somebody who's taking a business risk at this time that they really believe in. Maybe she would be the a perfect compliment to him, though. He could have his stable job and she can have her jewelry business that may have ups and downs, you know. It's But, you know, he, I would say with with Kyle and Becca, they have... They, they both are willing to be the starving artists a little bit. So maybe that willingness, like they they know what the other one's going through. And so maybe they can stick it out together as a pair. But in general, it probably would work better if one of them were stable in a stable career, kind of a more like risk averse person. And the other one was a little riskier. See, for me, with Aiden, it was not about risk averseness. It was about how well he was listening and whether he was willing to support what she wanted to do. Because you can be in a relationship with someone that has a different risk tolerance than you. Maybe for him, being a lawyer is what he wanted to do. He tried a restaurant. It didn't work. He found out he he's risk averse. And so he could advise her from his perspective of, well, I took a risk. I didn't that wasn't a fun experience for me. I'm comfortable where I am. But what was the downer about Aiden was the fact that she really did want to do this jewelry business. And I think deep in her heart, she knew it. And he was not presenting himself as being supportive of what she wanted to do. To me, that was the downfall with him. It wasn't about, well, don't do the risky thing. And if you do the risky thing, like, it's not a, a match between us. It was more he couldn't see that this is what she wanted to do and just be supportive of that. And that was what was wrong with their relationship. Yeah, he was pretty um, he was he was very stereotyped and he was in a box and he was who he was. And, you know, yeah, not not very engaging in conversations or, you know, any sort of like hypothetical. He was very much on. A logical plane things are what they are he just was kind of a he talked to her like an older brother they're just no chemistry he just i don't know there's just something about him well, that it, and she just was so obviously attracted to kyle and just loved having conversations with him and even when they spar a little bit that's exciting to both of them i think even I mean, the fact that their friends set them up, Aiden and, um, I can't think of her name now. Becca. Um, but 
not that there's anything wrong with being set up, but then from there they were both like, well, it'll it'll either happen or it won't happen. These ha- things have to happen naturally. But when they, when she ends up telling him towards the end of the movie, you know what? Uh, I think you're a great person, uh, but not the person for me. My affections are engaged elsewhere. And he sort of says something along the lines of, yeah, well, if this guy doesn't see it, he doesn't know what he's missing. And you kind of just think... Yeah, but why do you think that? Because I haven't really seen anything from you that makes it feel like, oh, I just see how awesome she is. And like, I'm really, you know what? This is somebody that's worth going after. I'm going to like put forward some effort and really try and like get to know this person and spend some time with her and like seek her out. Uh, I mean, they were naturally together in a lot of circumstances, just again, wedding, the circumstantial wedding events were when they were together. And if he had really thought, this is an interesting person that I'd really like to get to know better. He could have gone out of his way much more. Kyle seemed like they were also thrown together because of wedding events, but he did some things that seemed like he was, he was putting himself in the path of her to try and have an opportunity to work on that connection. I have to disagree with you. I, I disagree. I think that Aiden did try to go out of his way to spend time with her. He shows up for the food tasting to pinch hit when the groom is ill. Well, she did that because the bride the bride asked her to and the groom she asked d- her to. So She did that. He, it didn't seem like he had to show up to that. They're on the property for the wedding and he... I believe he asked her to dance. He asked her to go for a walk. They walked a little bit while they were doing the food tasting stuff. I feel like he was trying to spend time with her. He was just pretty plain. He was just a stiff. He was a stiff. Okay. He, was, he just wasn't right for her. So, well, and so speaking of Becca, was she a superhuman or was everyone around her lazy and incompetent? Because everyone in her life was like, you are the most amazing person. I would not know how to plan a wedding without you. I would not know what to do without you. It's just like, it was just crazy. The amount of times a compliment was thrown her way about just how incredible and amazing. And she's just the best human being ever. And she just always has everything together. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it didn't strike me that way particularly. I mean, certainly uh, it's she is displayed as a person who is consistently there for the people that she cares about, right? And very conscientious of their, their feelings and their needs. And maybe I just sympathize with that because I feel like I'm, I'm personality-wise maybe kind of close to that genre. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It didn't to me. It didn't feel overly. It just it felt more like circumstantial, right? Like her cousins having an important event on which she is during which she is relying heavily on Becca. It's natural to be grateful to her for the part that she's playing and making those things happen. I don't know. It didn't seem over the top to me. It seemed like. You, you know, we don't see the long term, but she's sort of, Becca's lying there about, well, I'm going to call in all the favors when it's my turn. And that that's kind of how I took it is, you know, she's there for them now when they need her. And at some point in the future, she'll need them and they'll, you know, she'll cash in those favors. I didn't think she was nearly as superhuman as the guy from Fall, Love and 
caramel apples or <laughs> whatever that movie was. <laughs> she wasn't nearly as superhuman as that guy. I mean, she just was mm-hmm. a good bridesmaid and had many good friends. She was not also volunteering with the homeless and teaching a local debate class and whatever you know she was Mm -hmm. just she was just running a business and being a bridesmaid so i didn't feel like she was that superhuman and she was friendly and she was nice and kind of bubbly and she had a pleasant disposition so i thought it was fine i do think the fact that it was largely for family members and like very close friends makes a big difference right like this is her cousin's wedding and her cousin's like a sister to her because she doesn't have any siblings and, um, you know, it's her uncle whose wife is deceased. So it's natural that there would be female family members who would try and, like, p- take up some of that sort of matronly slack, I guess. Um, you know, and she's involved in it. <laughs> matronly slack. <laughs> and we're not yeah. talking about those those um, dim-colored oh. pants with elastic waistbands. Not those elastic waistbands and pants on JCPenney's. <laughs> Uh, we're not talking about Alfred Dunner's. <laughs> Alfred Dunner's, that's good. Oh man, I feel like that needs to be turned into a hashtag or something. I don't know. Hashtag majorly slack. Um, but so I think that you know that's natural. That seems like okay. Well, if you're gonna go out of your way for people, like you would, it's natural to to do that for family members well when you are i think when you're a single person too and you're at weddings and big events celebrating couples people getting married and engaged and things like that people naturally want to tell you if you're single your turn is coming you're amazing people don't want you to be sad and so they tell you that Mm -hmm. you're amazing and you're great and we'll all be there when you get married because they want they want you to feel better Mm -hmm. well speaking of people uh talking to single Becca at the wedding. Um, how do we like those two old ladies who one of them offered up her nephew had just left his wife? Did you catch that at the beginning? She yeah, was like, my I... nephew just left his wife. You're single. He's single. You know? Yeah. Why would wild. you? Wild. Wild. What, what possible basis would you have for thinking that that was going to be compatible? You know nothing about this woman. And your nephew sounds like a, a real piece of work. So you know, I don't know to be why fair, you would suggest this. To be fair, it's a bit of a caricature on actual experiences as a single person. Because mm-hmm. who here has not had someone, you know, try to match them up with someone. And you find out the only reason that they matched you up is because you're both single. And I remember this guy trying to match me up with his nephew. And... You know, I'm asking him about the, the qualities of this person and do you do you think we would share values and all of that? And and the kinds of answers I was getting back were just like, why would you ever like, do you not think highly of me as a person? Because you are telling me this person is lame and shares no values with me. And yet, but you really ought to to get together. I had I had uh somebody try to set me up with another with a, a guy that they knew just because I'm a band director and he is a band director, even though he was like eight years older than me and Jewish. <laughs> it's like, um, sorry, I don't think having the career in common is, is enough on that one. To overcome so. our significant religious differences. <laughs> yeah, you know. But 
that to be that doesn't happen very often. Although in principle, I agree with the idea of setting up your friends, like her her cousin and the groom. You know, like oh, you and the that best man, worked. that would be great. It's like you know what, go for it. She. She is a person who knows Becca really well, and the groom evidently knows Aiden very well. And if they, in their best judgment, think, you know what, these are two people who, they might really hit it off, and I see this being, you know, go for it. I think people should should not be afraid of, of setting up the single people that they know, as long as they take the time to really consider whether or not that's a realistic match, or if it's just like, well, you're single, and they're single, so... The difference is that they actually knew the people involved yeah. and mm-hmm. weren't just exactly. strangers at a wedding. Mm-hmm. Or a strange lady at a Bible study who tells you, I have a 35-year-old son. He likes trains. <laughs> I have had that's that happen to me. Great. That's, that's Good great. For him. I'm that's not really very compelling. I'm no you thank know, you. I'm not, I'm sure not interested in locomotion. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd leave with that as like the defining characteristic oh, if I was yeah. trying to like sell sell a relative to somebody else like he's 35 and he likes trains like um you couldn't think of a better a better descriptor to like sell this person in their best light he must not have a lot going for him yeah well well ladies any final thoughts on the last bridesmaid I want to talk about the disagreement that Becca and Kyle, that Becca and oh, Kyle, Kyle. Kyle had about Call her no. showing her uncle the documentary before it was ready. Kyle is all worried about putting his documentary out there because he got burned in the past. He put out a documentary and it wasn't ready and it didn't get good reception. And he has never financially recovered from that. <laughs> so... He didn't want to put this out till he was really, really ready. She kept encouraging him to do it. He's like, no, it's not ready yet. She's watching it in the lobby pretty innocently. And her uncle comes up and's like, oh, what you watching there? And um, she's like, oh, this just a friend made it. And he's like, oh, hey, I, I have some time to kill. Why don't I watch that? And she says, well, I, I guess, sure. And lets him watch it. And... When he, then the uncle approaches Kyle and says, hey, I didn't know you were making that documentary. You can't wait to finish watching it. And he is ticked. He is <laughs> really ticked off that this, that she showed this without his permission. And I completely got it. I completely got it. Even though she, she just made like a split second decision that was really close on letting the uncle see it. And in the grand scheme of things, it's probably not a big deal. She certainly didn't mean any harm by it. And the uncle liked it. Maybe she was pushing a little bit because she thought that Kyle should put his work out there and believe in himself a little bit more. But if you are the artist that created something and you are not ready and that's, that is so, and this piece of work was so personal to him to have her show that, and not refuse to show it, knowing it was his express wish that it not be shown to anyone else until it was completely ready. I thought his anger was justified. And he he was actually pretty, like, scathing in what he said to her in their argument. Mm-hmm. You know, his whole line about, 
I will never get another chance to make that first impression. Like, you took that away from me. I just felt, I don't know, for some reason, that anger that he had in that vein resonated with me. And I thought she owed him an apology. I I, I think I agree that um, she shouldn't have done it. I think her intentions were good, and mm-hmm. he he clearly made assumptions about her intentions that she sought the uncle out and tried to connive this thing, which wasn't the case, and he relented somewhat when he heard the actual circumstances, which I think was appropriate, And but while her intentions were good, there so was a better way to handle that. You know, she could have just said... Oh, I would, I would love to show you this, but it's, it's actually Kyle's, and uh, he, he is not ready to show it to people yet. But I really wish you would ask him about it at the party, because I think it would be, I think this would be a great thing if you guys got together on this project. You know, she could have found a way to still plug it with her uncle without actually showing it to him. Like I get why she did it, but I do ultimately agree that, like you were saying, he. His first impression matters to him, and she knew that and did it anyway. The thing is, the connection with her uncle will always be there. There was no Mm -hmm. reason that she had to choose that moment um, to go ahead and show it. So she could have, you know, said, hey, Kyle, you know, he looked over my shoulder and saw a little bit and was kind of asking me questions and was curious about it. I didn't show it to him. I, I, but I let him know, hey, he's working on it and maybe at some point, you know, like I think there was a way, yeah, there was a way for her to still, or she could have just shut it down entirely and just said, oh, sorry, that's a friend's project and they're not ready for it, for anybody to see it. Um, I, I think that, that would have obviously gone smoother and gone over better with, with Kyle. And maybe he did need a little bit of push, but um, to, to go against what someone has expressly said they don't want to happen with something that is so personal and Mm -hmm. just a project they've been working on for a long time. And he's right. He never can get a first impression again. And if the uncle hadn't liked it, I mean, it was a Hallmark movie. So of course the uncle liked it, but if the uncle hadn't liked it for one of the, you know, production reasons or something that Kyle planned to change, she would have ruined it for him. And so it, it was a risk that she took. I understand the situation. She was she was hesitant at first. She said, oh, a friend made this. And then, oh, but it, it looks good. It looks interesting. And he watched it for a while. And then she was like, well, actually, it, it is Kyle's, you know. And um, so I do think she kind of was in a tough spot. But um, she ultimately let her desire to push Kyle win over her desire to do what Kyle would want her to do. I think this is an important aspect of their relationship that it would have been more valuable for her to not show it in order to figure out what kind of, to negotiate what kind of relationship they're going to have. Because while it's great to have a partner who's like, I'm going to push you to, to do your best and put your work out there, that's great. But she also had just made a couple, he gave her encouragement in an appropriate way right? Gave her encouragement and tools for her to make the decision. You know what? I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. I'm going to go for it. And it would have been more telling for her to say, hey, I'm presenting you with this opportunity and these tools 
uh, in order to make this thing happen. Now let's see what you do. Are you when it when the chips are on the table? Are you actually somebody who's willing to put yourself out there again and take a risk and do this thing and figure out what that line is for the both of them versus sort of forcing him into that, you know, growing experience. Well, the the difference is that he he drafted a website for her to finish. He didn't publish a website for her. Yeah. And say, exactly. I put your website on the online. I contacted the distributor for you and said you wanted a meeting. He didn't do that. He didn't pick up her phone and the, when the <clears throat> distributor happened to be calling and say, yeah, she'll do it. You know, she he, he never took away her agency. She took a little away a little bit of his agency and his choice and yeah. how how he rolled it out. Yeah, I mean, if that should be a repeat offense in their relationship, that would definitely be something that would be really hard on them that they might not make it because, you know, Mm -hmm. if they push each other too hard and if they, hey, I know what you need to do better than you know what you need to do, then um, that's not really the recipe for a successful relationship. And she didn't really apologize. She said, I'm sorry if I overstepped. I'm sorry, but. But I I know that you don't put yourself out there the way that you should. I wish you had more confidence in you. I wish you saw in you what I see in you. That wasn't really an apology. That was, I'm going to like pretend like I'm sorry for what I did, but I'm really not sorry for what I did. And I think it yeah. was fine. Ultimately, they they were both able, he was able to forgive her and put it past. And he realized that she had good intentions and I think she really did and you could see the way they set up the scenario it was just a really split second choice of just kind of okay and going along with it in the moment she didn't really Mm -hmm. mean to cause any kind of serious damage so he was able to forgive her and they moved on and they all lived happily ever after which perhaps he has a sensitivity to that particular topic seeing as he's been burned in that before and maybe that's not a healthy sensitivity but it's one that he has so but you know i think she the apology could have been better more like yeah i'm sorry for my part instead of making it a him problem well i'm sorry you're offended and you didn't like it but it was the right thing to do it's like no you don't get to make that choice you just need to own up to your part and let him deal with his part but what, what do you mean his part, though? I don't feel like he did it. He didn't do anything wrong. I'm, all I'm saying is that if he if he has a fear about putting his work out there, if he's sensitive to the idea of the first impression or sensitive to the idea of control, explicit control over his work, then that's something he needs to work through for himself about whether or not that's healthy or too much or if he's going to put it out or not. It's not for her to say... She turned the apology back on him and said, well, I'm sorry you didn't like it, but you should really be putting your work out there more. So that's not for her to say. That's for him to work through for himself. He didn't He didn't offend against her in any way with his exactly. risk yeah. averseness. And so I don't, yeah, it was, he didn't do anything wrong. He has issues yeah. to work through, but. That's what um, I'm saying. She made yeah. it, she made it, a, she made it, a, a, she turned it back on him. It's like he knows he has those issues and he needs to decide for himself if he's going to work that out. But ca- caveating your apology in order to turn the tables back on him, I thought, you know, not really a great look. Yeah, she should have just said, I, 
I'm sorry I made a split second decision and I went against your wishes and I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they had the the wedding coordinator quit and um I you know I was just pondering this because you know I've been to a couple weddings not all of them have had coordinators some of them have um they I mean the fact that the coordinator quit and then they don't even know the order of the processional I'm sorry it's the day before the wedding like it's 2 hours before the dress rehearsal you should already know that stuff is it that is was the bride really that out of touch with it or like did the wedding coordinator not have a binder that she left behind I feel like I am I'm I don't know if it's untrustworthy <laughs> like an untrusting nature or thriftiness but I feel like I would not leave those details to a wedding coordinator anyway. Um no, this is my wedding. I know what order the procession is supposed to be in and I know what the queue is and like if I have to coordinate this myself, I will do it. The cousin had some learned helplessness perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that's fair. That is valid. So, any other thoughts on this movie before we close it down? It was nice to just see them have have an argument and resolve it and nobody, you know, maligned anyone in any kind of serious way. They had good chemistry, pretty natural performances, so um, not too bad. I remembered watching this one before, and I think I liked it better watching it through this time than I remembered liking it the first time. So I thought on the whole it was a pretty likable, likable experience. Yep, I think it's pretty likable primarily because of the two leads. So Mm -hmm, they're pretty strong and they had a pretty strong chemistry with one another. So, all right, well, that'll do it for The Last Bridesmaid. Uh, Join us next time for our last installment of Niche November.